G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and today we've got a bit of a special broadcast. Many of our congregation were reined in because of torrential rain in Dolby and so we had a much smaller service um, and a little bit of disruption to our service. But I really hope that if you're listening and we're not able to make it into church this morning because of rain, um, that you find this recording helpful. Uh, the recording isn't great, but it is what went on at church this morning. And we hope that uh, in a little way through this podcast, you can join in uh, with our church service and we can be the body of Christ digitally um, through the airwaves. Uh, the first reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, chapter 2, beginning at the first verse. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony of that God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age, or on the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified them on the floor. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows the person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has truly given us. This is not what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities in spiritual words. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's wonderful uh, to be here together, um, and we do think of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are uh, reined in, um, and we pray for them and just really hope um, that they're okay. But let's pray. Loving Lord God, as we open your word today, we pray that you would give us um, eyes to see it, hearts to believe it, and a spirit to apply it as we seek to know you and make you known in Dolby and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, over the last three weeks, we've been looking at one single chapter in the book of the Bible. There's been that much wonderful content to look at. And we've been going through a series called Dealing with Divisions. Um, And what we've seen in chapter one of 1 Corinthians is that there are divisions in the church. There are divisions around leadership. There are um, divisions um, around um, how to be a Christian. And so what Paul does is he writes this letter in order to help the church thrive and to bring people together in Jesus. Today, uh, you'll be happy because we're getting to a new chapter. We've finally gotten to chapter two. Um, And it's way too convenient for this to be a coincidence that we're reading this today. 
As Kim pointed out, our mission at St John's is to know Christ and to make Christ known through worship, education, outreach and caring. And this chapter in the Bible forms the basis of our church mission statement where we read, When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And of course, our mission statement matches this quote beautifully because our mission statement is to know Christ and to make him known through worship, education, outreach and caring. Paul resolved to know nothing but Jesus while he was in Corinth and to passionately proclaim that knowledge to the world. This is doubly convenient because this weekend we've been meeting um, as um, in small groups to plan for the future at our vision night on Friday night and our vision day yesterday at church. And it was wonderful to hear some ideas that people have um, going forward into the future for St. John's Dolby and also St. Margaret Cecil Plains. It was wonderful to have a fair chunk of our church represented and to hear their ideas and to know that God has given them gifts, God has given them wisdom, and God is using them and will use them into the future in this place. So today we're going to be looking at this passage which underscores um, our vision as a church, and we'll see that uh, to be a Christian in Dolby, um, as Kim illustrated in her kids' talk and as Gloria demonstrated um, by coming to, coming to church today dressed as a Christian. Um, as a Christian, as Christians, we are to know Jesus and him crucified and to make him known. And we are to operate by God's wisdom, not our own wisdom, and we are to operate and to live and rely on the Holy Spirit. So, first point, know Christ and him crucified. Paul begins this passage by reminding us of how he met us. Um, Now, I know none of us gathered here today have physically met Paul, uh, but the Corinthians had. Oh, dear. There we go. Gee whiz. Um, Managed to black that one out. (laughs) No, Yvonne didn't do it. Um, We can read about when Paul went to Corinth and he met with the Corinthians in the book of Acts, chapter 18. Paul tells us that when he came to Corinth, he did so not as a celebrity speaker. Celebrity speakers were popular at the time, a little bit like comedians would come and visit a town and speak, or a a motivational speaker might come and host a seminar, and you could do that professionally. But Paul is saying, I didn't come as one of those people. That was not my goal. My goal was to make Christ known. Instead, Paul arrived in Corinth and told people about Christ. He told them about a Jew who died on a cross in Jerusalem 20 years before. He told them that this person is God in the flesh. He is the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Bible. God's promises that he would send a saviour who would bring justice and freedom, not just for some people, but for all people. Now, most people laughed at him. They thought this was a weak message. Paul wasn't a great speaker, and he was no male model. So they laughed at his message. Um, I tried to get a 
picture of Paul, um, there, are, there are a lot around there, but they all make him look really, really attractive. Um, and that's not um, what our most ancient sources for what Paul looked like say. One ancient book describes Paul as a man of small stature with a bald head and crooked legs in a good state of body with eyebrows meeting. That's a very diplomatic way of saying that he you know, had a monobrow um, and a nose somewhat crooked. Um, he was probably, yeah, he was a cat. Um, he probably had red hair um, and he didn't have much charisma. He didn't peddle his message for profit. Instead, he made tents in Corinth. He made tents so that he could pay his way, so they didn't have to rely on the offerings of the Corinthians, although he was well within his rights to do so. Unfortunately, this um, passion of his backfired because people assumed that his message was weak because he couldn't make a living off his speaking. They mistook him for a celebrity speaker rather than a person who was trying to show them the path to life. I find this quite comforting. Um, If you go home and read the book of Acts, you'll see that Paul almost looks superhuman. Um, He goes and preaches to everyone, everywhere, and boldly tells others about Jesus. But here we see that Paul, by his own admission, was scared and didn't think much of himself. Um, Look with me at verse 3, where it says, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Paul came in weakness and in fear because he didn't want people to trust in him. He wanted them to trust in God. He also came in trembling because his message was dangerous. Um, An English uh, vicar once complained that uh, when Paul went to a town, there was a riot and he got arrested. When he came to a town, people made him cups of tea. (laughs) (laughs) Paul wasn't good looking and he wasn't a smooth talker and his message wasn't popular, but it was powerful. It was effective. It bore fruit. Through Paul telling his story about what the Holy Spirit had done for him, through him praying for people and seeing miracles happen in their lives, he proclaimed the power of God and he let God do the rest. Friends, this is how God works through our weakness. Martin Luther was a monk who challenged the power and might of the Pope. His teachings changed the world forever. But in reflecting on his methods, um, he writes this, and this is probably my favourite Martin Luther quote. He said, In short, I will preach it. That's the gospel. That's the message of Jesus. Teach it. Write it. But I will constrain no man by force. For faith must come freely without (laughs) compulsion. Take myself as an example. I opposed indulgences, that's um, the payments that people were um, encouraged to pay uh, to, to buy their way into heaven. I opposed indulgences and all the papists, but never with force. I simply taught, preached and wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And while I slept, this is a funny part, or drank Wittenberg beer with my friends Philip and Amsdorf, the word so greatly weakened the papacy that no prince or emperor 
ever inflicted such losses upon it. I did nothing. The word of God did everything. How good is that? I just drank beer and let God do the rest. (laughs) (laughs) Friends, this offers us words and a world of encouragement. Often we think that in order to make a difference, in order to be um, a good Christian, we need to do a course, we need to have some amazing talent, or be super smart or attractive. Instead, the opposite is true. The more powerful, eloquent, and clever I am, the more likely I am to rely on my own greatness, and the more likely people are to miss God's greatness and glory in my life. As we work towards knowing Jesus and making him known in Dolby, we have the comfort of knowing that we don't have to do so in our own strength. All God asks is that we share with others the goodness of Jesus and what he has done in our lives and let God do the rest. We don't need to be anything we're not. We don't need to do anything that's unachievable. Instead, God simply asks that we trust in him and rely on his wisdom. So, <laughs> so if we're called to know Jesus and make him known, how do we go about it? Should we just throw caution to the wind and just back ourselves? We all know a, a door knocker or uh, an intense person who wants to strong arm us into believing. They might have written their own book or tract telling you what to do. They might claim to have some incredible insight to unlock the Bible's mysteries. Sadly, people with secret wisdom like this often divide the church rather than building it up. Some in Corinth were creating division exactly like this. They were saying they had some sort of secret wisdom. And so Paul plays on this idea of secret wisdom in talking about the cross. People were also claiming to be mature Christians. Um, I've met mature Christians, people who um, look down on everyone else because they've spent a certain amount of years in church or they've done a certain degree or um, they have this incredible secret insight to understanding God. Going forward as a church, we need to realise that this is a crummy way to operate. Paul says it like this in verse 6. Look at, um, uh, sorry, verse 7. It says, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Many felt the story of Jesus dying on the cross was an embarrassment. To become a good Christian, you needed to grow up and find the secret wisdom and maturity and get beyond the cross. But Paul says you never get beyond the cross. The cross is the centre of who we are. God, God's secret wisdom is found in the cross. God's rescue plan had been hidden, but God destined it for our good before time, and he revealed it in our time. Sadly, if you look at verse 8, we read that some people didn't understand. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it, it to us by his spirit. On the cross, God's plan to rescue us from sin and death 
was revealed in all its glory. When Jesus rose from the dead, the reality of our forgiveness was confirmed. Sadly, the rulers and powers to be at the time didn't see it because they were so caught up in their own agendas. They were resistant to God's spirit. I've heard people say, well, if God showed up right here, right now, then I'd believe in him. Really? Because at the center of Jesus' story is the reality that God did show up. God did come to us. He walked among us, the people whom he created. He loved us unconditionally, demonstrated his, his power for healings and miracles. And we still killed him. It's still a mystery to, to me why God would save us. But it's not a mystery that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Paul tells us this reality is made known to us, revealed to us by God's Spirit. We cannot understand this reality without the Spirit of God. It's the wisdom of the Spirit by which Christians operate. As soon as we begin to take our cues uh, from people who don't trust Jesus, as soon as we try to measure ourselves by the standards set by the world around us, we take our eyes off God, we take our Jesus glasses off, and we forget about him. That's why as we plan for our future as a church, we need to make sure we're relying on the Holy Spirit to give us God's wisdom and guidance in how to operate. We can become the biggest, flashiest, most wealthy and powerful church in the land, but this is pointless if we're not going there with God. It's the same with anything we do. At home, at work, at the shops, at the gym, with our families. As Christians, we need the Holy Spirit to guide us, to inspire us, and to give us God's wisdom for life. The final section of this passage, verses um, 10 to 16, are a like-for-like argument. It seems arrogant to try to figure out God's will. How can we possibly know what God wants with our lives, let alone our church? I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow, let alone in five years' time. Well, here we see that when we commit to living in step with God's Spirit, God gives us the mind of Christ. This is a huge claim, probably one of the biggest claims in the New Testament. We can understand God's mind. We can get a little bit of God's insight. How? Through God's spirit. Perhaps you've uh, heard a child respond to an insult by saying, well, it takes one to know one, that kind of thing. Um, That's exactly what Paul is saying here. Verse 11. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's own spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now some in Corinth were peddling special divine wisdom, as we talked about, um, and, and they were giving it to select people, and this was splitting the church into groups. Here Paul says that it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to perceive what God wants for our lives and enables us to catch God's vision. This insight isn't gained in a university, through a program, or by buying into a certain political movement. The Holy Spirit is available 
to everyone. Jesus um, says in Luke chapter 11, um, this profound thing about the Holy Spirit. He says, uh, which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? It's a bit of a joke. It's like, <laughs> which, which of your parents will, will give, your, give your kid um, a, a, a razor blade if, you, if they ask for a fish? Uh, or if we ask for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Friends, God is all too pleased to give his spirit to anyone who asks him. Oh, I've done it again. <laughs> While some people might call themselves spirit-filled Christians, as if there's a couple of tiers of Christians, the truth is every Christian, by virtue of our baptism, by virtue of our conversion, asks the Holy Spirit into our lives. And God is very happy to give it to us. To grow more like Jesus, to have the mind of Christ, all we need to, is to do is ask God to fill us with his spirit. In verse 14, Paul recognises that non-Christians will reject the gospel. And they'll do so because they don't have the spirit of God. God isn't part of their worldview. And so, of course, a Christian way of life doesn't make sense to them. But this shouldn't stop us from sharing the gospel and praying that God in his goodness would fill our friends and family with his spirit. Going forward as a church, we need to live into our mission. Paul's mission, every Christian's mission, as Kim pointed out beautifully in the kids' kids talk, making Jesus known and knowing him, it's twofold. But we need to do this by God's spirit. Yesterday I had a guitar lesson um, my first guitar lesson in a while, um, and I learned by imitation. My guitar teacher showed me where to put my fingers. He told me the notes to play. He told me how to think um, about the guitar and about um, playing it. It's the same for followers of Jesus. <clears throat> if we want to know Jesus and make him known, we need to spend time with Jesus, and we need to imitate him. Jesus spent time with God personally in prayer and devotion, then corporately by going to a synagogue and meeting like this, together with God's people. And then he met in huge outdoor um, sessions, teaching and preaching and praying. At the same time, Jesus went out into the world and spent time with tax collectors and people that other people considered bad or immoral. We follow Jesus and we imitate Jesus. And in doing so, we find life in all its fullness. To mature as Christians, it's also important that we find mentors. Um, wherever we're at in life, uh, Christian people who point us to Jesus and encourage us. Why not ask someone today or later in the week if you can meet up with them and read the Bible together with them. Pray and just talk about your lives. We need to keep asking God to fill us with his spirit. We need to be going back to God repeatedly in prayer. Like a water fountain or a bowl of Doritos. We just need to keep coming back, 
coming back to God consistently, asking him to fill us with his spirit that we may know him and make him known. My favourite passage in the Bible is um, from Zechariah 4.6. Um, I put it in greeting cards. I put it all over the place. Um, and it's beautiful because it says, um, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. This verse is probably what Paul had in mind when he penned 1 Corinthians 2. In planning for the coming years in our church, we can be tempted to set goals and then kick them in our own strength. But it won't work. 1 Corinthians 2 is a great reminder that if we want to be a church, a people after God's own heart, then we need to lean into God and put our future in his hands. I have no doubt that God has great plans for St. John's. For over 160 years, 160 years, we have been a place where people have gotten to know Jesus and have then gone out into the community and made Jesus known through worship, education, outreach and caring. Friends, it's our time to carry on this mission and to keep building the kingdom of God in this place. This would be an impossible task if we were called to do this in our own strength. But instead, we're encouraged to look at the wisdom of the cross and to be filled with God's spirit, digging deeper into God so we might walk in step with him and make his priorities our priorities. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. God has prepared glorious things for this church. As we lean into God, may we catch God's vision and live by his spirit so we might see his kingdom come. Let's pray. Loving Lord God, thank you so much for this gathering of people. And we also thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are reigned in and are with us in spirit. We pray, Lord, that we would not strive to build up this church by our own prowess, but instead that we would rely on the wisdom of the cross and that you would fill us with your spirit so we might live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.